Here we go again, Tools in the Shed, Greatest Hits Holiday Compilation Series. This time, it's your feedback. The stuff that got us chatting, your input into the conversations that we'd had. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but first of all, we have had some feedback, which is always terrific. Great. Vic P says, cars we lost in 2019... How about entry-level variant, base model of the Mazda 2 and Mazda 3? Little wonder Kia had a stellar 2019 in a shrinking market. Yes. Mm. So that's an interesting observation. So technically Poignant. Mazda still has an entry-level model. It's just more expensive and named differently now. So I do mm. take the point, but right. it, it hasn't worked wonders for their sales in the no. three last year. All right. So uh, then Philip Chadwick says, happy new podcast, guys. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's been like lost in the wilderness waiting for the new one since the last of 2019. Clearly next year we just need to podcast He says so Day. good to have them back. How good is that? Well, Positive Philip, feedback. I love it. checks in the mail. That is fantastic. <laughs> um, Thanks, Ham, Dad. Hammer Rocks, a wonderful He's regular, back. says, welcome back and happy new year, guys. Here's for an even better podcast in 2020. Thank you very much. We'll do our best. Lightside. I think our companies should reduce the amount of selection when it comes to safety features. Example, Kia's Seltos having a $1,000 safety pack. I'm fine with trim, engine, screen size, colour, etc. as options. But I think he's saying is I'm not okay with safety being a pay extra. Thing. Paying more for I the agree. features. It's a bit yeah. like when uh, yeah. Toyota, I think, used to package air conditioning or a sunroof with ABS right. back yeah. in the 90s. <laughs> right. Or, or was it Hyundai or Toyota? I can't remember, but right. one of them. One one of them. It, was, yeah. it was just a commodity. It had no special significance. Yeah, and just when you thought... Yeah. We I were through the woods and we had ABS standard. No. I thought the history there, just to go off track for a second, I thought the history was there that they realised pretty quickly that nobody would pay for safety equipment, but they wanted to give it to people. So the only way they could get people to tick the option box was to pair it with a better stereo Oh, is that the rationale? Maybe. I think that was right. the reasoning behind okay. it at the perhaps, time. Perhaps, perhaps. But nonetheless, they were charging more for yes, safety. Yes, exactly. Yeah. As you were saying that, Mal's eyes were narrowing. I think... <laughs> I'm not sure he's in agreement that with That sounds you. like a PR answer, Chester. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness I got my sunroof. All right. Right, Triple Beam Miracle Dream says, 2020, the year we care more about a Yaris than a Lambo. And yes. in, in response, Drust Triple Nine says, well, I guess more people will be able to afford a Yaris over a Lambo. LOL. LOL. Um, well, and then Triple Beam Miracle Dream says, uh, nah, that new baby Lambo is cheap and looks cheap. I don't know which baby Lambo. I don't know what he means. About. A anyway, cheap baby Lambo. I've cheap never heard of such a thing. But it's not Yaris, GR Yaris cheap. But, well, well, Yaris how, or Urus? How, how cheap is GR Yaris cheap going to be? That's the question. Well, um, this is in the context of a Lamborghini, of course. But yeah, for me, so. i got to tell you, every year has been more excited about a Yaris year than, or a hot hatch year than but a Lambo the, year. Mate, every as you year. know yeah. uh, better than most, the buzz around that Yaris oh, GR mate. has been immense, and, you know, uh, globally. And deserving. It yeah. is a really yeah. good thing. Yeah. Yeah, onwards and upwards. Yeah, GR. for Toyota, how exciting. Now, Hammer, Hammer Rocks came back for a second go and said, your thoughts on the Ford Ranger Raptor V8. This is where you can ah, come in, Chester. Okay, sure. Do you think it is real? And do you think there is a market for a Raptor, uh, sorry, Ranger Raptor V8 coming upwards of 140K uh, if reports are be, to be believed? Costing more than V8-powered full-size trucks like the Ram and some that are about to come here, fingers crossed, F-150, Tundra, Titan, all of those. Yes. So as far as your intel goes, mm -hmm. 
you're pretty certain that it is real. Yeah? yeah. So look, I'm certain that the project is real. I'm just not as certain that it's going to be as quick as uh, some other reports have suggested. So as in to launch or an acceleration? Uh, as in to launch. So oh. initially, the, the the mail was that it was going to come next year, yeah. pre the uh, facelifted Raptor arriving in Alt Ranger arriving in 21. Mm-hmm. But having now spoken to just about everybody who could possibly be involved in the project and plenty who couldn't. Uh, it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. My my mail is that it is happening. Yes, um, yeah. but it's happening a little slower than than people realise. You, you also got a whiff of some potential other power plants, didn't you? Like you know, yeah. There's and there's still talk of a turbocharged V6 petrol engine, which um, you might remember one was spotted here in Australia. I think at the beginning of last year, maybe doing okay. some testing. Now okay. the word word was at the time that was for the US market. Um, yeah. But that would be an easier fit if it was going to be a global play. As long as it sits right-hand drive. Yeah, uh, and of course the V8 as well. But where that Mm. price came from, that $140,000 price, obviously that's not set in stone by any stretch of the imagination. That's just one of the engineers giving us a little bit of feedback. But the the point they were making was that it is a very complicated job. I bet. Um, A lot of people think you can just pull an engine out and put another engine in. That's really just not how it works. Because that's the conversation we had around the Gladiator as well. You know, why can't we just put a V8 in it? And yet you can. But then you can't make it safe, yeah, and you can't yeah, yeah. make it do all the things. That I mean, it, it will to do. fit. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, that's just from the beginning. It's, it's worth warranting for five years, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. But the other thing we need to consider is that you know, yes, it might fit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but we're approaching very quickly. Well, maybe not that quickly, but we're heading towards the next range of being shared. Yep. And I think With you made that Amarok. point, didn't yeah. you, Chester? Which that that's opens when it up may so exactly, many yeah. other opportunities. Yeah, yeah, think yeah. Diesel V6. You d- but you design it in. And yeah. that's my when, thinking at the when, moment is next gen. When mm. the Raptor arrived, my lizard brain went straight to, it's got to have a V8. Yeah. You know, to be special in that way, yeah, yeah. it's that kind of vehicle. Yeah, yeah. It just makes instinctive kind of sense it for does. mine. But yeah. also, to, to answer that other question of how much is too much, mm-hmm. uh, that window of how much is too much has been completely rearranged for me over the last 24 months with people paying 100, 120, 130, 140 for new trucks. So yeah. how much is too much? Lord only knows. Oh, and you're, people are happy and, to pay. And that's only considering the MSRP at the showroom, off yeah. the showroom floor. Have a gander at all the ones with subframe extensions that are sitting six inches high. Yeah, in that's stock right. And yes. That costs thousands of dollars. Absolutely. The aftermarket the tires, spend is the immense. The body, yes. the colour coding, the... Yeah. You name it. And then that it opens up a kind of fundamental flaw in the whole idea of going there and customising the car X-Factory because the whole idea of customising is to make it your own. To so, personalise You know, that people yeah. love to go off and do it their own way. Um, so the Raptor's been successful, mind you, but um, that aftermarket is always going to have a place oh, yeah. when it well, comes to that. Absolutely. Vehicles. One car we'll talk more about later, though, that will test that theory is the um, Intrek Warrior, the Navara yep. Intrek Warrior, yep. which they've basically chosen the bits they changed on that car based on the common upgrades that people are making, yep. common aftermarket upgrades. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. All right, but, I it, but, but as JC points out, then you do end up in a position where your once original Ute yeah. looks just like every other Ute. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. You know? that's right. And then you want to change it again just to yeah. change it. Now, um, so thank you very much to everyone for all of that. Yes, feedback. thank you. And just... But first of all, we've had some feedback, which is great. And last time around, we were speaking about the Nissan Z, the much uh, anticipated 400Z uh, for. Nissan and a new GTR. So Omar Monel came at us with a, a manifesto, or at least it's a, it's a list of demands. And he ended with this, but for context, I'll put it up the top. He says, yes, I'm in the US. So some of the models that he talks about 
um, are pertinent to the US market, maybe not so much elsewhere. He agrees with us that Nissan needs something lower than the new Z. He agrees that the IDX concepts would be perfect, those beautiful concept cars that Nissan did a few years ago. He also would call it Sylvia, and he says it should be a two-litre manual rear-wheel drive and lightweight. So basically that's a 180SX, 200SX, Sylvia. He agrees that Nissan needs that, and it would be very timely. He says the 400ZX or 400Z is supposed to have the Infiniti Q50, Q60 engine, which is that three-litre V6, um, VR30 TT. And the Infiniti Red Sport is at 400 horsepower out of the box, so that's just under 300 kilowatts. Um, So you could have um, a Nissan uh, Nismo edition because it's very tunable. So you could be up to 450 horsepower, like 335 kilowatts in no time. So I think he's right. That that would be the perfect engine, and that's the the rumour, I think. Yeah. But it will, that car will live and die, I reckon, by what they do to the chassis. If it's just an engine in the old yeah. chassis that's been tweaked a little bit, it's yeah. not going to be a fabulous drive. But if they put a yeah. lot of work into how it actually steers, then it could be a thing of absolute beauty. And we've yeah. got a, a great example of, of exactly what Chesto is concerned about in the Q50 Red Sport, in that it is a great engine, but it's never yeah. really had the chassis to support it. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's, it's still been yes. a bit more of a luxury car than an outright performance machine. But my True. hopes are high. I'm, I'm so excited about that car. I've said this before. My first ever car was a 260Z. So if that thing is wow. a... Uh, if that wow, thing is you a, set, a you weapon, set the I'll be bar in the high with your first car. That's fantastic. Yeah. I bought it for five grand, rode it off like every other P-plater has before me. Now, <laughs> now, now they're worth about 40. So anyway... You're kidding. That one got away I, from I understand it wasn't Chesto's fault, though, in Chesto's No, it was defense. not. No, someone okay. hit me, actually. But, uh, no, don't tell me it, it was in order. No, God, no. Ah, and it was the, good, it was the, two, the two seat and not the two plus two. The plus two plus two, two ruined the shape. Oh, wow, what a shame that it came to an untimely end. But Omar isn't finished. He, he wants a Pulsar GTIR to come back using the yeah. uh, Versa, Versa Note body, which is a hatch, um, and a two-litre turbo all-wheel drive. Fantastic. All power to him. Now, for Infinity, this is obviously relevant because he's in the States. Infinity is not a goer here in Australia anymore. But he wants the concept Roadster, which I think was called the Prototype 10. I did a bit of digging. It looks amazing. For people on YouTube, we'll have an image of that um, up for you to have a look at. With the Leaf Electric powertrain as a flagship, loaded with tech and touchscreens, and the cars need a way better interior anyway. So he sees that as a bit of an icebreaker. And he loves the new steering wheels from Nissan. They're kind of retro, and he cites the Sentra. And I found an image of it, and again, people on YouTube be able to have a look at it. And he's right; it does look like an old school, um, recognisably Nissan steering wheel. Yeah, so, awesome. some interesting observations in Omar's uh, manifesto. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you, Omar. On the same um, track, Neza said Nissan should also bring back the Fair Lady name. Um, he says uh, something about smacking fools on the track with my Fair Lady tickles my funny bone. <laughs> And then he, then he came back with a follow-up comment to his own comment and said, scratch that and any other genius ideas I've ever had. All humanity needs is the Alfa Romeo Giulia GTAM. We've peaked, boys. That's what yeah. he says. So he's, he thinks that's as good as it's going to get. So yeah. that's, that's in two comments, we've seen people suggesting the return of the official return of Sylvia and Fair Lady. Correct. And, like, you know, the reason we never got Sylvia and Fair Lady really in Australia or the US is because, you know, Nissan presumed it was a little bit sooky to, to yeah. name them, uh, yeah. you know, such in, in our markets. But language now, language. 
We all know them. We all know, we all know the backstory. The time yeah. is now to give us the proper name. So, can I uh, side topic for just a moment? Don't these conversations just make you long for the good old days of the Japanese auto industry? So many great cars from that era, I know. you know. I know. And look, it's the nineties we're looking for, you know, yeah. not necessarily the sixties. No, that's we'll right. get we'll get to that soon enough because there's some commentary very much in that vein. But uh, the evocatively named R Soul uh, says, you know, with the biggest financial crash since the nineteen thirties, due to a massive public health crisis, I wouldn't expect to see any newness in sports cars anytime soon. Um, seeing as they weren't doing all that well prior to all this malarkey, uh, to use his words. So it's an interesting point. That is a great point. But you would have thought that uh, when Volkswagen had its trouble a couple of years ago, that uh, uh, the, the likes of the Bugatti Chiron would be the first to fall. And guess what? We've got a Bugatti Chiron. Yes. That's, that's true. The niche that's of true. all niches. And all, you never all, know. I'm, all I'm reading at the moment, too, is that they're just waiting to cut the ribbon on the 400. The production on that would have started way before any of this malarkey. Good so, point. So, uh, mate, that, that will still cruise through, I'm sure. Well, I mean, Arsol says that he wouldn't be surprised to see a few car manufacturers go belly up in the near future. Um, that's, you know, so with that, I agree with him. Yeah, yeah. Now, John Schroeder calls out the GFC and the 2011 earthquake and tsunami in Japan, of course, which hit Japanese manufacturers hard. But he says we're right. It was Richard that made the point in the last podcast that Nissan had Carlos the Ghost um, gone. Uh, operating in the background. So John agrees, creative bookkeeping with the management style of a god or guru that, yeah. you know, good, goodness knows what was going on in the background. He says, where's the money, Carlos? <laughs> you know, Carlos, <laughs> baby, go, does a legal shuffle and runs home to mum. So yeah. it, um, it's not to be discounted as a factor. And he says it'd be good to see Nissan back with a performance-style Z car and reaffirm the Nissan brand instead of the endless generic clones of SUVs, which are duplicated by Renault. Remember being in Japan when Nissan, Nismo, cult cars were all over the place. Mm. And that put me in mind of going up to Japan in, I want to say it was about 1991, and going to the Fuji, five, it was a 500-kilometre touring car race at Mount Fuji. The car park, Fuji Speedway, was uniformly R32 GTRs yeah, awesome. and 180SXs. The whole place, that's what it was full of, yeah. those cars. So I totally take his point and agree. Yeah, me too. Nissan had, Nissan had something that it's lost um, and could, could easily regain. Yeah. Now, hopefully, David hopefully, Bird. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, hopefully they've learnt the lesson from the GFC where Nissan during the GFC, scaled right back, and we're still feeling repercussions of that, uh, yeah. whereas Mazda pushed ahead, invested heavily, and look at the Mazdas we've got now. So mm. hopefully they take a leaf out of Mazda's book and uh, don't do the same thing twice. It's all, it's all those cliches, isn't it? You know, who dares wins. You, you've got to take a risk, um, and, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Gamble. This will be a, quite a, a telling time. Yeah. Um, David Burt says he's sorry, apologises, but says the Nissan Toyota Halo models we featured last time are, all caps, ugly. Mm. Um, with a multitude of angles and shapes, the Supra looks like it's been shunted up the rear by a 200 series on the M5 or the Monash. So uh, that's quite an interesting comment. Um, he says, in many respects, the Toyota 86 is a much purer execution of a two-door sports car than these two plastic fantastics. Um, in a similar vein to the Datsun 240Z. So there's a lot of sentiment out there wanting that simplicity, yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah, I I agree with him, JC, to be honest. I I love the Supra. I don't think anybody's head over heels with the way that it looks, Mm -hmm. but but it certainly drives very well. But I agree with the 86 was a really nicely styled car, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, you know, uh, Tetsuya Tata was the um, engineer in charge of both those programs, the 86 and the Supra. So in terms of the way the cars were styled, there's a big difference there. So he obviously gave free reign to the people working in the, the broader mm. team. That's right. All right. Have we ever complained we... that the uh, the GTR isn't beautiful, though? Like, you know, the R34 even is probably the most celebrated of all GTRs. Yeah. It ain't a beautiful car. It's no, it's not by any it's stretch. Ugly, it's bluff. Yeah. I've got to say, though, that that 50th anniversary Ital design version oh. of the GTR I really like. I think yeah. it's an uh, amazing-looking thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it can be made to look beautiful, but I suppose, yeah, you're right. Looks aren't everything. But when, when you see that car, JC, the Ital design, you, it's so clear what they've done. It's like they've just taken a giant iron and ironed yeah. out all the creases. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, actually, under all of yeah. that, it is quite a good-looking car. It's well, a they've, logical they've direction just, for the GTR to take. Yeah. Well, they've just put it in the microwave on high for about 30 seconds. And all those hard, all those hard edges have just kind of softened off a bit. The yeah, yeah, exactly. Turned to their original form. <laughs> now, we, shifting, shifting subjects here, previously uh, we also talked about utes versus a van. Now, M4, uh, Matt, Matt Campbell, who was in the podcast last week, we discussed the prospect of comparing utes with one-box vans because as a working vehicle, you know, which has the better utility, and Stewie GB thinks the Ute versus van idea is brilliant. And for work, he has a Hilux for towing and generally, his words, not mine, looking flash. Um, <laughs> and a high ace, and a high ace for the actual on-site work. He says the van's got it all over the Ute for working out of, put a false floor for ladders, etc., underneath, 100%. and still have a shed load of space for everything else above. And he says, love your work. So um, that's what he Even does. better. JC, uh, if, you, if, if I was moving time, house... Sorry, Mel, you go. I was just going to say, but at the same time, there's a whole heap of stuff you can fit in the infinite uh, height capacity of a ute that you mm. can't fit in a van. So well, it comes down yes, to the job you're the, doing. The load, height, the load height is quite generous in a high ace. <laughs> it's infinite. You're right. <laughs> but um, but I, suppose, I suppose there's also the security of a one box, that whatever is in it is in it. You're not risking anything falling off, yeah. flying off, all that kind of stuff as well. And the weather protection, JC, as well. Good like, point. I've said this before, but if, when I'm moving house, it's van over you any day of the week. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. 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 Too true. Well, look, Andre, I'm going to have a crack at this name and just watch me nail this. Andre Voggia, uh, he loves a van and, in fact, calls out the Mitsubishi Delica 4x4, which has been a big grey import favourite over a period of time in Australia. But... I did note that our, um, our friends at Go Auto a while ago noted that Mitsubishi Australia is studying the return of the current D5 version of the Delica. And mm-hmm. if you look um, for people on YouTube behind us, um, we've got some pics of that car. So uh, Mitsubishi Australia saying, yeah, yeah, we're studying, having a look at it, might add it into the mix. Mm-hmm. I and think it would take TG- the Triton and the ASX to have a big... Uh, Big whack in their sales charts for the, the to, to push go on the Delica. That's my two cents. Yeah, Delica. So you're going the Delica, as in Silica, rather than Delica Silica. Uh, I think that's how the enthusiasts uh, pronounce it. It's a bit Delica. like the, the Nissan okay. Dagia wagon, you know. 
It has in Stadia. 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 Like we'd say. Hang on. It has enthusiasts? I'm staggered. Testo. Get with the program. Just about everything has enthusiasts. And always remember, Mel's never met a car he doesn't like. So there's also TGV, the very fast train, has said, I prefer the SUV versions of the year. So he likes the Pajero Sport, Everest, Fortuna, over the respective Triton, Ranger and Hilux. So if it comes down to a comparison in terms of what works best for him. That said, I really want the new 2020 Ford Explorer ST. Shame Ford won't make it in right-hand drive. I've raised my hand for just a moment. Yes. With the wonders of Google, I've dug up a, a Japanese ad. Huh. And it, it is Dalika. Dalika. Fair enough. Okay. Da-lika. I will uh, adjust my pronunciation from this moment <laughs> forward. Dalika. Now, uh, our New Zealand correspondent, Wax333, says, will we see the Nissan Titan in Australia and New Zealand? And that's been the $64,000 question for some time. Chesto, I think you've written some stuff recently, most recently, about the Titan. What's, what's your yep. mail on that? It's, it's coming. Lock it in. Uh, well, look, it was coming before the corona craziness broke out. They yep. were investigating. They're so keen on having that car in Australia. They were investigating right-hand drive factory production. If they can't get that, they were hedging their bets by investigating right-hand Local. drive conversions in Australia because yep. of the success of Ram and others. So they yes. were champing at the bit for that vehicle. It was, it, was a, it was a lock. What's happened since coronavirus has come out and the havoc that's wreaked on car company finances, I don't know. But certainly a month ago, it was, it was a certainty. And can I just add, they, they weren't simply just pondering it. They were actively pursuing this car for yeah. a, a, at least a few years before all this. So yeah. solid, solid uh, intentions yeah. to bring the car here. But, of course, there are now right. question marks over everything. Well, so fingers crossed. All right. Well, Wax also says that Nissan should uh, renew the Primera based on the P11, which was a 1995 to 2002 car. But the reason might be that um, that car was assembled in Weary in the southern part of Auckland in New Zealand uh, for some time. He says the styling would be cool uh, to see, maybe a skyline for the masses. Yeah. And um, he also asked if there are any details on the new Subaru Levorg. 1.8 litre turbo and power outputs and our own Tom White did do a story for us um, on that um, and he said they all knew that they're calling it Lean Burn 1.8 litre uh, four-cylinder boxer. Um, nothing's confirmed but he's saying maximum outputs are 147 kilowatts, 294 newton metres um, with the latter available quite low down because it's a turbo but you know we'll, we'll see those things need to be uh, confirmed over time. Mm-hmm. Now under the subject of general commentary, uh, Thun- Thunder 250 came in with First Viewer, which is a, you know, a, an online uh, must-do. Then he said, something I'd love to see are more cars similar to Impreza's and Evo's of the 90s. There's just this nostalgia yeah, for, absolutely. for cars of the 90s and early 2000s that have small capacity four-cylinder engines capable of pushing huge power with a few modifications, but still affordable for most people, similar to the current 86 BIZ. So... There are a lot of people out there that just want more of that. You know what we need to make that happen, though? We need rallying to take off again. You know, we've got Toyota with the, the GR yep. efforts, with yep. the Yaris. Uh, yep. the, the commenter before was asking for the return of the Pulsar GTIR. That yep. car only existed for rallying. Rally car. Yep. WRX yeah, for rallying, Evo for rallying. Get behind yep. rallying and the rest will follow. Now, yes. I, reckon, I reckon there's also an argument that the time is coming again for that 
just through circumstance. V8s are already on the out. V6s will be next. If you want a performance vehicle in the future, it likely will be a four-cylinder. And frankly, we, when you look at the uh, GR Yaris's output with its 1.63, you can see what's actually possible with those engines. I mean, I just think that time's coming again naturally, to be honest. Well, look, Teo Rayu made a good comment um, in response to Thunder 250. He said, I reckon Hyundai will bring all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think about i30N, Kona N, Elantra N, on it goes. I think it's a Velosta, you know, so... Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff may well come from Hyundai and, and a new source. And, and don't forget that uh, Toyota is going to GR everything from the you know, Corolla to the CHR to yeah. arguably the Yaris and Corolla Cross. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of little performance cars coming. Yeah. yeah I'm, not, I'm not sure now. we'll see it in the same vein as we did in the 90s. Without no, homologation the, and, and the rallying point is a really good one, Mel. Yeah, agree. homologation drives that kind of innovation, doesn't it? Um, now, mm. our old mate Hammer Rock says, I don't mean to brag, but I've been practicing social distancing, that is, avoiding people way before COVID 19. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, now, NZ Sarge One says, We were talking about coffee in cars and coffee makers in cars. And uh, he says, Audi, he or she says, Audi has an optional coffee maker on some of its SUVs. And I did a bit of digging here, and it's actually called the, believe it or not, hand presso. It's the hand presso. <laughs> and for people on YouTube, there'll be some vision of it um, in the background. It's a little, you know, 12 volt powered unit that sits in your cup holder. You pour the water in around the top, put a little coffee bag on the top, screw the top on, give it a press, and it spits out an espresso that awesome. you can have on the road. And Audi does a bad diversion for, as an option accessory for some of their cars. Hopefully no one's doing it at 180 on the auto. <laughs> yeah, <though. laughs> that's right. I agree. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> look, finally, Bartonez123 has a dilemma. He says, I have a dilemma. Window tint or no tint? My new car has no factory tint, but I'm actually somewhat enjoying that, finding the visibility at night. Uh, superb. But anyone I've ever talked to has always gone directly for the tint. Am I the odd one out here? Should I be tinting? And I think it's a really good question. Mm. Now, as far as I'm aware, the benefits are that it, it cuts UV light, and that's for heat and fading or damage to the interior of the car. It, reduce, it can reduce glare and it helps the AC, gives it a bit of a leg up because you're getting less heat into the car. Mm -hmm. All I would say to Barton is one, two, three, is if he does it, don't do it yourself. The number of times yeah. you've seen that back window. <laughs> oh, I know yeah. we can save a lot of money. I'll just do it myself. It'll be great. And then it's an absolute horror show. Everyone's oh, seen it. Always starts with that famous question. Well, how hard could it be? <laughs> the answer is very hard. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you can remember of... covering your books at school, yeah, covering right. glass yeah, is much books. harder. Well, I mean, part of it's aesthetic as well, I suppose, if you like yeah. that kind of brooding, darker look around the windows on your cars. But it seems as though there's a lot of upside to it. Can I now, add another detail? Uh, yeah. uh, uh, once again, it comes down to the job you're doing with the car. But yeah. another key consideration is the comfort of any children on the back seat yeah you know you put baby in there they'll just cry they don't tell you oh the sun's in my eyes they just yes. cry yes uh and it's a good you know cover all and, and you're also protecting their skin you want you know if you, think, if you think about it we should be lathering up in sunscreen every time we go for a drive sure but if you've got a or you could TV just turn around tint, and really help couldn't you just whack a pair of sunnies on on the on <laughs> kind of cut out the middleman i've tried that <laughs> <laughs> didn't go well. No. 
No. Didn't last long. All, all right, well... We go on um, <laughs> feedback from Ooh. last week's episode. Ooh, feedback. And the guys were talking about the prospect, and it's very much a real prospect, of Hyundai utes of different different types. Um, you, you're more uh, light-duty, city-fied, Santa Cruz-type Hyundai ute and a bigger, beefier one for, for more traditional ute-type work and similar from Kia. And we got a lot of feedback. And Wayne Zodiac, what a great name that is. That sounds like something out of a gumshoe detective novel. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. He's, he's, he's always wanted someone to build a small ute like the Jumbuck. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, the yeah. Proton Jumbuck. Yeah. Budget ute, low cost, four-cylinder petrol, low running and yep. servicing costs. Yep. Keep your diesels. They're no good for day-to-day urban driving because of issues like DPFs, the, the diesel particulate filters. Mm. Um, if companies like MG can make an SUV for $15,900, I can't see why companies like Kia can't fill this market. And I am so with him. The Jumbuck and the Subaru Brumby, Brumby. which Brumby, yeah. I think the Brat, in the US and, and some yes. other markets. Um, and funnily enough, in, in just thinking about Mighty this, boy. I, went off, I went off to the always reliable Wikipedia. And according to it, the, the Brumby was never sold in the domestic market uh, in Japan. In Japan. So private imports of these into Japan are a bit of a, yes. uh, a specialty. But um, there, there's got to be a market for something like that. There was the, um, there was the little known... Uh, Mahindra Dick Berry that did pretty well. Up oh in, yes, up in Queensland. They had a yeah. terrible yeah, ride a, and a, a uh, three-speed <laughs> manual only. Available. Small volume import, very yeah. small. Yeah. Zero to one hundred in twelve point nine seconds. Grud, Grudland seventy four says yes, definitely sign up for a Santa Cruz N line. Bring it here, it will sell. And we had yeah. uh, our, our wheel love, which I presume means rear wheel love. He reckons it's mad that Kia and Hyundai aren't bringing a pickup truck to the USA um, and they'd buy one uh, for mm. sure. So there you go. And once you start to open up the American market, um, Andrew Frankel said visually needs to look tough and not polarising. Mechanically, trumping Hilux is easy. Everyone else already does it. <laughs> Contra- yes. Controversial, very provocative uh, statement. I, re- uh, I think Alex. that's one of the reasons why the BT50 might struggle is that it looks a bit posh at the front. Right. That, well, it's that, very it's car like, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's very car like. That was my um, my sort of yeah, con about it was that mm. yeah, it does look very very car like. And I remember, not. Crafty, when you were driving the X Class, it wasn't posh enough. Um, the the, interi- <laughs> the interior wasn't. Oh no, the work. interior was shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was shocking. Yeah, bits were falling. I'm, I'm looking forward to the is it Tarkan the Hyundai Tarkan which is going to be coming out, which is going to be the uh, the Hilux rival, supposedly yeah. the name of yeah. it. I think yeah. that will, I think that would keep Toyota executives awake at night. Um, well, the, the, the last week, I know the guys were talking about, look, Hyundai has a bit of a head start in that they've done such a good job in this market, mm-hmm. in Australia, with the iLoad, setting up that commercial mm-hmm. part of the brand that, yep. that a ute slips in there relatively easily. There's not as much ground to break in convincing mm. people that the brand's ready to deliver that kind of vehicle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you've got, so. you got i30, which has become, you know, you know, a household item basically in Australia as well as a small hatch. And, you know, Santa oh, Fe's exactly. massive too. I, I think they'll have no problem at all cracking that yep. ute market. It's not like yep. it'll be like, what, a Hyundai ute? It's going to be more like, you know, finally it's here. Mm. So, exactly. Why hasn't it happened ages yeah. ago? Good, good yeah. point. 
Um, Raucous 919 or 919, maybe it's a Porsche 919. Um, it just says chop the back off the Sportage. And I reckon that's it. They just need to get out the gas axe, Whoa. shape it around the back, That'd and the ugly. top is done. And I would say also the Telluride, which is the, the big Kia mm. SUV, it's got the underpinnings that you would think would do, and, and possibly that's exactly what they're working on. But um, those two, yeah, I get you, Raucous. We could, um, we could we could ask our uh, our lovely uh, listeners and viewers out there what car would you utify mm. or what SUV would you utify out there? Mm. Good um, idea, good Santa idea. Fe. That would be fun. That yeah. would be fun. Sorrento, yeah, yeah. Ghost, yeah, Ghost, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, David Hall says, "Let's face it, Hyundai Kia in anything they do will be a force, and it could mean the end of Mazda and Nissan." So um, he's seeing automotive Armageddon here when these commercial vehicles start to arrive, which is a yes. bit cool. Mm. But to your point, Richard, I suppose there will be some very big wigs in certain car companies looking over their shoulder once these yeah. uh, light commercial uh, utes arrive. Absolutely. You know, Rams and F-150s and, and then yeah. you don't even get to you know, Rivian. Rivian's going to be here in a couple mm. of years' time and that's going to make everybody re, you know, Review how they do a Ute too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. I'm putting my order for a Cybertruck too. So you know, good, good. I want to see. Yeah. I would. I want to see Crafty do the first review of a Cybertruck. The three, the three, the three motor Cybertruck. So yes, fantastic. That'll go vertical. Can you just up, wear? Uh, can you wrap yourself in alfoil, Crafty, <laughs> when you do it? Yes. I just generally down flower pot on your head. Yeah. I, oh, I generally yeah. get around like that anyway, Richard. So yeah, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a problem. That's I've how seen, I was. That's I know, how I was I've dressed when I was views. in the boot. So with the cat. Now, um, Marco V E S S. And apologies, Marco. We've been calling you Marco Vess. Oh, no, he, it's he, a Commodore no. reference. He straightened out, He straightened us out and told us it's actually Marco Vess. He says, uh, despite that, he says, "Love your work as always." But this week's episode left him feeling depressed. What? Um, with all the Ute talk, he mm. says there's a Vess V6 Ute in his modest fleet, and he has no interest in replacing it with any of the current ladder chassis, leaf spring, drum brake, diesel smoke Utes. I he agree. Says, Bring on the Ford Maverick. <laughs> Which is Ford's little little yeah, Ute, yeah, um, yeah. potentially based on the Bronco Sport, the little mm. the little Bronco, yes. which looks great. Thank- yeah. He says, thankfully, there are bright spots like the GR Yaris, yes, mm. and uh, BRZ, and he's hopeful our electric future will bring some spark back. Oh, that's a great, that's a great. Good one. We'll I see what he did there. Nice to the new car market. So he's hopeful yet just disappointed by what's on offer right now. That's just my state of being 24 hours a day. Most of the time. Yeah. Hopeful okay. but disappointed. Well, you're not alone. <laughs> um, so thank you, Marco V-E-S-S, or we prefer Marco Vess. Now, and De Cook has finished us off with, if not for bloody GM, and I'd say points for use of the word bloody there, because I know De Cook, if he's not German, he's spent a lot of time in Germany. So I, well Aussie done. already. And welcome Cook, to Australia. Hey? <laughs> and all folks wanting SUVs, if they kept Falcon and Commodore Utes alive for just a bit longer, they would have been ahead of the curve now. There, and it there is, you it go. Kind of ironic that we're talking about these lighter duty Utes. Yes. And yeah, Holden Ute and Falcon Ute were around for the longest time. Long he's ago. A, yeah. He's a genius, De Cook, eh? Hey? De Cook. <laughs> Sorry. Is he now De Cook, eh? Hey? I've uh, called no, him. no, he always has been. Is he French? <laughs> oh. 
And I always thought it was his DJ name. <laughs> but it's on the wheels of steel. He corrected me, didn't he? Wow. Oh, he did. That was it. Hope you enjoyed that. Remember, the tools will be back in the shed from January 15, 2021. Hope to see you and talk to you then.